you have your Bible's electronic devices, you can click to or turn to Exodus chapter 3. Uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 2. We are going to be in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, but primarily we're going to be in Exodus chapter, th- uh, chapter 2. So if you're the type of person that likes to read along on a read along, along with us on an on a electronic device or old school Bible, then you can click to, turn to. If not, uh, the words are going to come up on the screen as we walk through this passage. So over the last several weeks or many weeks, uh, we've been taking uh, men and women of the Old and the New Testament, and we've been looking at their life, just getting a snapshot of their life. Last week, we looked at, at Gideon, and it was more of a prophetic me- uh, message into a country and into what's going on. This week, we're going to look at Moses. And so Exodus chapter 2 is like the story of, of Moses' childhood. We're going to look at chapter 3. We're going to look at chapter 4. And so when I looked at this message, and, and I titled this message, yes, we're calling it Moses, but maybe, a, maybe a, another title or maybe the, the tagline would simply be this, victory over insecurities. Or maybe it really should be dealing with insecurities because when you look at Moses' life, you realize that Moses had some insecurities. He found victory in them, and then, but he also had to deal with them for like the rest of his life. And so in spite of Moses' insecurities, God used him, and that is good news for you, and that's good news for me because whether we realize it or not or whether we'll even acknowledge it or not, Every one of us has some sort of insecurities that we have to deal with. And maybe it came out of family of origin issues. Maybe it came from an event. Maybe it became, came from how we view ourselves or some of those other things. But all of us have what researchers tell us. All of us deal with these issues of insecurities. Now, our insecurities can express themselves a number of ways. I mean, in other words, we can try to cover over our insecurities, whether it's through success or whether it's through pride, whether it's through always knowing the answer, not letting anybody close or always being defensive and some of those other things. Not, and, 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 but, but Moses, Moses tried to cover over his insecurities by this issue of anger. Fact is, it was Moses' anger uh, that was driven by his insecurity that cost him much in his life because he had this issue of just anger in his life. And so you can take Moses' life and you can, you can break it up into like 40-year increments, three 40-year increments. In the first 40 years of his life, you could say he dealt with insecurities and unbelievable anger. Fact is, in the first 40 years of his life, he dealt, dealt with not only insecurity, but anger to the point that it caused him to murder a man. It caused him to take the life of another man. Then you look at the second 40 years of Moses' life, and you find this point in his life just healing and humility to where God brings him, hum- uh, uh, God brings him healing, which led to this unbelievable place where God had called him. And then Moses developed this issue of humility in his life. He was no longer arrogant. He was no longer prideful. He was no longer really angry. He could walk in, he could walk in tremendous humility. Then the last 40 years of Moses' life, after God brought him through that process, God used him in unbelievable ways. And so he called him to ministry and said, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to free my people. Why? So that they can worship me. And so Moses was used greatly of God in spite, in spite of his insecurities. When you look at this, it's really not our insecurities. The problem is how we handle them. It's how we deal with them. And some of us can walk through life and always feel like, you know what, we're just not good enough. 
No matter what we do, we just don't live up. We don't live up to the standard or we, we make mistakes. It's difficult for us to be open and honest with, with people in relationships. It's hard for us to trust others. And so if not, if we have those, then all of a sudden we can try to cover over them. But regardless of, of, of where you are in life, God wants you and God wants me to work through our insecurities. And I, and I think it takes a lifetime. And Moses was used greatly of God, but he had this problem with his anger. He had this problem with his temper. And it wasn't until the last 40 years of Moses' life and ministry that he could, he worked through his insecurities and he could control it to some extent. And so we're going to look at this story in Exodus chapter 2. When Moses like, like comes out of childhood, he loses his temper because he saw oppression and he hated that. And he killed a man after he looked around and thought nobody was looking. So Exodus chapter 2, let's just read starting in verse 1. And we're going to go all the way through verse 15. And then we're going to set... Um, with him at the well. We'll end the verse with that, and I'll give you three things. So here's what the scripture says. He says, now a man from a family, a Levi, married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant. This is, this is Moses' parents. The woman became parent, gave birth to a son. When, he saw, when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, and so in other words, remember Pharaoh had said all the Hebrew children, males, needed to be killed. So she's, she's doing the best thing for him. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket uh, for him, coated it with, with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds <coughs> by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girl walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, uh, sent her slave girl to took it, a little took it, opened it, and saw him, the child. And there was a little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, "This is one of the Hebrew boys." Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, "Should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you?" Verse eight. Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay you wages. What amazing thing to be paid for taking care of your own kid, right? That's amazing. Anyway, and all the, all the, all the wives said, all the mothers said, amen, right? <laughs> so, and it's also God's provisions. He reunited Moses with his mom. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of water. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. That made him angry. He hated oppression. He saw the Egyptians striking a Hebrew, one of his people, looking around, seeing no one. He struck the Egyptian dead, hit him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one, the one in the wrong, why are you attacking your neighbor? Who made you a commander and judge over us? The man replied. Are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And Moses realized, oh, no, the word is out. Then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. When Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. 
And so that's where we're going to sit in the service. When you look at this in, in, in the sermon, but when you look at this, Moses went and sat down by a well, and I think it's there that God brought him healing. It's there that God spoke to him. It's there that Moses had to contemplate his life, his anger, his temper, how he handled his insecurities, the, destructive, the destructiveness of that, and God ministered to them. See, it was there that Moses met Jethro. Jethro hired him, made him a shepherd, and really gave him a family because you see that, that Moses married Jethro's daughter. And so he's now he's tending sheep. He married Jethro's daughter. But God wasn't do, done with him. Just like God isn't done with you and God isn't done with me, even in spite of some of our insecurities, even in spite of some of the things that we're still dealing with. And so Moses obviously had insecurities. He must have had some abandonment issues and feeling abandoned by his mom and some other things, even though they did the best thing for him. And Moses makes a serious mistake out of anger, right? He murders an Egyptian. Moses was this guy that was loyal to his people. He could not stand it when an Egyptian abused one of, one, of, one of his people, so he murdered a man. And when he looked around, he thought nobody was looking. And he covered this guy up in the sand. And maybe he justified his actions, right? Like many of us do. Maybe he justified his actions, said, after all, I'm the deliverer. After all, I'm right and wrong. And obviously, he, he had a, a slave with him. He had an attendant, someone that worked for Moses. And more than likely, he asked that man not to say anything to keep a secret. Unfortunately, a lot of people's definition of keeping a secret is only telling one person at a time. <laughs> right? It's, it's all good as long as I tell one person at a time and I ask them not to say anything. So now Moses knows. Moses knows. Guess what? The word is out. And Moses acted emotionally and not rationally. He didn't even think it through. He acted in, in his own strength and not in God's strength because God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And Moses experienced, I mean, honestly, Moses experienced the right emotion of someone being abused and someone being mistreated, but he handled it in the wrong way. And he handled it through anger, and it was destructive. And then later on, he sees two Hebrews fighting, right? We just read the text. He saw two Hebrews, and he tried to step in, and that's when Moses knew that it was out. And as a result of that, Pharaoh was hunting him down and trying to kill him, and, and Moses fled for his life. And the Scripture says that he went, he found a well, well in Midian because he thought he was safe there, and he sat down by the well. And that's where I think God forced him, slowed him down and forced him to like contemplate some things. Because when you look at this, your sin and my sin will always make us feel inadequate. It will always give us some insecurities. And Moses knew what he had done, and Moses knew that he had murdered a person. So I want to give you the time that we have together. I want to give you three things this morning about how to have victory over insecurities, how to deal with insecurities, how to work through insecurities, because whether we recognize it or not, we all have to deal with them, right? Because this is not a perfect world, and we all have to deal with them. So the first one is this. You have to come to the place where you express your fears. You have to come to the place. Listen, pride and arrogance will not allow you to do that. And you have to come to the place. You have to come. When you have deep insecurities, it is hard for you to express your fears because you got to come to the place and say, hey, guess what? I have no fear. I have no fear. And fear can be a healthy, God-given emotion. 
to get us to safety and to protect ourselves. And so you have to come to a place that you're able to express your fear and not your anger. You're able to express your fear and not your insecurities. And so I believe that Moses learned, God took him through a process, and we're going to read some of Exodus chapter 3, and God took him through a process and allowed Moses just to express his fears. Instead of coming to the place in Moses' life, instead of responding by force to try to intimidate somebody, Moses learned how just to, just how to express his emotions, how to express his fear. And it's hard for many of us guys, right? It's just hard for us. And Moses had to work through that. And he has this encounter with God. Moses learned, talking to God, that you do not gain respect by losing your temper. Fact is, you lose respect by, by losing your temper. And Moses had to learn how to express his anger and how to express his, his, his feelings in a, in a way without hurting somebody. Moses learned that losing your temper is not a sign of, of, of strength. It's actually a sign of weakness. I mean, the book of Solomon, Solomon wrote this, and Solomon said, anger resides in the lap of a fool. And so I think that one of the first steps of getting anger or temper under control is recognizing that anger is not a sign of strength. And losing your temper is not a sign of strength. The fact is, it's just the opposite. It's a sign of weakness. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't produce respect. It produces ridicule. It's a sign of childness actions. It's a sign of immaturity. I mean, I can, I can right now, I can take you over to the children's ministry and let you observe some two-year-olds, right? What happens when they don't get their way? What happens when, when, when something happens that they don't like? They get red-faced. They throw a temper tantrum. They yell. They scream. They cry. They throw things. They throw themselves on the ground. That is a sign of immaturity, not maturity. And Moses had to learn that. Moses had to learn that if he was going to lead and he was going to do what God had called him to do, that he has to learn to do it in the power of the Spirit, in the power of God. And guess what? When you do it in the power of the Spirit, the power of God, you don't have to yell. You don't have to kick. You don't have to scream. You don't have to demand your way. By, why? Because you're walking with him. Proverbs 16.32 is not going to come up on the screen. says this, patience is better than power. And controlling one's emotions is better than capturing a city. In other words, Solomon said in the Proverbs that this, being able to control your emotions, being able to control those feelings that you have is even more powerful than being able to capture huge cities. And when God told Moses Moses, this is what I want you to go do. I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to set my people free. God allowed, because that's when, listen, that's when his, all of his insecurities came up. And sometimes that happens with us, right? When God calls us to do something, when God asks us to do something, if we're not careful, all of our insecurities can come up. And Moses learned, I'm telling you, Moses learned that God's will always has to be done God's way. Because his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. So we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3. Listen, it's the burning bush experience. We're not going to read all of Exodus chapter 3 for the sake of time. But Moses observed a bush that was burning but was not being consumed. And Moses walks over, and it's interesting to me, and sometimes we gloss over it. But what was the first thing that, Mo that God asked Moses to do? He told him, take off your sandals. Why? Because you're standing on holy ground. What do the sandals represent? They, they, they represent his insecurities. They represent the things that he provided for himself. And God is telling Moses, I need you to step out of your strength. I need you to step out of your insecurities. I need you to step out of the things that you 
have done for yourself and depend on, and I need you to step out of that, and I need you to stand on me because you're standing on holy ground. And God was taking Moses lovingly through a process. And so verse, uh, and so, and so God tells Moses that I want you to go to Pharaoh and set my people free so they can worship me. Moses comes back with excuses. Verse 11, Exodus chapter 3. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, he's like pushing back and all of his insecurities are coming up. I can't go back there. God, I don't know if you know this. I'm, I'm like a wanted man. God, I like murdered a man there. My picture, I think my picture is at every post office. Back when we used to go to post offices, right? Back when we used to do that. That dates me. There, for those of you that are younger, there was a time you could go to the post office and there were wanted pictures of people in your community. I was raised in a community like that. And so Moses like, I cannot go back there. You, don't you understand? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know my past isn't that sometimes us when insecurities, when God asks us to do something, lead a Bible study, be a part of a ministry? God, don't you know my past? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know that I've kind of disqualified myself? I mean, after all, you only call perfect people. He goes, no. And I call people who have my spirit in them. And so Moses, verse 13, um, and, and every time when you, we won't read it, but every time God is like, I am going with you. I will be with you. I love you. And so verse, verse 13, I mean, God glossed right over it and says, you need to go. Verse 13, then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, and they asked me, what is his name? What should I tell them? He goes, Moses, tell them I am who I am, and I am the one that sent you. And Moses, for the first time in Moses' life, he had worked through his insecurities, and you know he's asking? God, what is your will for my life? If you have deep insecurities, you will never feel comfortable. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this conversation? How do you want me to handle this situation? How do you, what, what do you want me? And so Moses is like, God, I, I, don't, I don't know enough. And, and you can read the text later. I don't know enough. I, I, I don't have enough information. I don't have it all together. God, I might embarrass you. Remember, I've already embarrassed you early in, in my life. And, and, rem, and rem, remember that Egyptian and Moses learned that God's will must be done God's way. And God led Moses into the desert to tend sheep and to slow him down and allow him just to contemplate some things. And just from doing an obscure job like tending sheep, Moses learned that people are like sheep and they're led and not driven like cattle and they're not harmed. And, and, and so God just told him, tell him I, I am who I am. And so verse Exodus chapter 4 verse 1, so Moses answered, what if they won't believe me? And will not obey me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you. You see the words, me and you, me and me, and all the way through there? I mean, Moses is like, God, it's, it's up to my strength. I mean, this is what insecurities will do to you in life. God, I'm, I'm the one that has to have all the answers. I'm the one. And, and so he's like, what if they don't believe me? What if, what if they don't think that? And what if I, I, how, how, do I, how do I prove that? I don't, I don't have any credibility. He's like, Moses, I'm going to go with you. Moses, I am, I'm going to provide. We're going to do miracles. I'm going to provide for you. And then Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, Moses replied, but Moses replied to the Lord, <clears throat> Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. And so that's just an Old Testament way of saying, you know what, I stutter. 
I have trouble. I mispronounce words. I, I stutter. I'm not eloquent. I'm not a good speaker. You're asking me to go speak, and guess what's coming up? His, his insecurities. He's insecure about the, how he talks. He's insecure how he pronounces some words. And, and so you know what? Out of, out of the kindness of God, you know what God does? Is says, hey, I'll send Aaron with you. And Aaron can speak for you. Here's the crazy thing about that. Aaron, when you read the text and you read Moses' life, Aaron never speaks for Moses. Moses does all the speaking. You know why? God was just sending Aaron. You, know, you need someone to go with you? You need some help? You need some... I'll, I'll, send, I'll send Aaron for you. And then Moses comes back, verse 13, and Moses says, Please, Lord, send somebody else. I mean, he's out of excuses. God, could you just, could you just send somebody else? Listen, I, I just need to let you know I'm not qualified. And here's the, crazy, here, here's the crazy thing about that. God allowed Moses to express his fears without any condemnation, without any judgment. And he tenderly and helped him through the process. God allowed Moses to express his fears of what God was asking him to do, but God did not allow Moses not to serve him. God did not allow Moses not to follow him. Listen, I'm telling you when, you, when you have insecurities, and we all have them, we have to come to the place to we're able to express our fears. We're all, we have to come to the place and express them in a, in a, in a healthy way. Whether, whether you verbalize them to a friend, whether you verbalize them to a Christian counselor, whether you verbalize them to a pastor, whether you whether ver verbalize them to a spouse or a life group or something like that, a close-knit group of people that you trust, you have to come to the place to where you out loud, you verbalize your fears, you verbalize your insecurities because many times it's in that you realize how irrational they are. And I really warred with this illustration because it's just pretty personal. Um, but Saturday morning, Saturday morning, I, I, I struggled sleeping and I was up early. I mean, I was up, uh, for me at four 30 in the morning and, and, uh, I went downstairs and I made a pot of coffee and grabbed some coffee and went down into the basement and, and went into my home office and, and all that was on was like a desk lamp. And I just sat there and I'm verbalizing my fears before the Lord. And it's just me and him. Karen got up a little bit after that. Karen grabbed a cup of coffee, and she came down into my home office and saw in the basement and saw the light on. She came and sat down in, in the visitor chair, the chair that I have next to my desk. She sat right beside me. And she looked at me, and she must have known. And so she says, are you okay? And I'm like, no. Doesn't make it any easier because I'm not a morning person. So <laughs> I'm like, no. And for 30 minutes, I expressed my fears to her. Uh, fear of leading a family through what we're dealing with right now with Brittany and family and all of that. Expressing my fears of, of leading a church through, through times like this where it just seems like no matter what you do, someone's upset, somebody's mad. And just all, all of those fears and all of those concerns about the future. And she just listened. She never criticized me. She never said, hey, where's your faith? You know, that's like never helpful, right? Because <laughs> that always comes across judgmental, just so you know. Just where's your faith? And judge me or anything. She just listened, and every once in a while she'd share scripture, and she'd share encouragement. But there's something that happens in that moment that's healing. 
We have to come to the place to where we have a mechanism. We had a way. And this is, listen, this is what God is doing with Moses. He's allowing Moses to express his fears. The third and the last thing is, I mean, the second thing is, is you have to find healing from your past. You have to find healing from your past. Now, this is interesting. Uh, God is leading Moses through a process of finding humility and finding, uh, finding uh, this place of, 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 of healing from his past and humility. And M- God is making Moses deal with his past. And listen, let me just tell you this. Sometimes you have to go backwards before you can go forward. Sometimes you have to go back to the scene of the crime. And know God was there and God forgives before you can go forward in life. Because for some of us, that's what drives some of our insecurities. It's something that we've done in the past, and we don't know that God really forgave us. We don't know that God's really okay with that. And so God sends Moses back before he could go forward. He sends him back before he could use him. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, Therefore go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. In other words, Moses, before you can go forward, you've got to go back. You've got to go back to the place of the crime. You've got to deal with your family of origin issues. You've got to deal with murdering that Egyptian. Listen, oftentimes God makes us go back for healing in our past so that he can use us in a future, for the future. God, God made Moses face his fear. Isn't it true that most of our fears never come true? I mean, most because most of our fears are just totally irrational or exaggerated. And Moses, listen, Moses, God wanted to use Moses. God wanted to show Moses just like he wants to show us. God is bigger than your insecurities. God is bigger than your sin. God is bigger than your fears. And Moses had insecurity and it happened in Egypt. He had to go back. You know what that takes? That takes humility. He was a somebody when he was in Egypt. He's going to go back as a, as a nobody. He's going to find healing. Moses found humility and healing in Egypt. You know how God did that? You know how God uh, humbled Moses? He gave him sheep and a family. Isn't it true? Family will uh, will, will humble you, right? Family doesn't care how much you've accomplished. Family doesn't care what you've done. Family doesn't care about your success, your titles, the number, the number of initials behind your name, how many toys you have, how big your bank account is. Family doesn't care about any of that. Wouldn't you agree that family has a way of humbling us? I mean, I found this to be true Monday when I went up, and I told you I was going to go up. Brittany started chemo on Monday, and so I had to go up early as they left for the hospital. Take the grand, and so it was my job to take the grandkids to school and get, you know, and have three grandkids when the whole day is over, right? Not lose any of them. And so uh, grandkids have a way, right, of making you feel like a million bucks and then making you feel like a servant all in the same conversation, right? I mean, they just do. And so, you know what? I got there at 6 in the morning, and I was excited, could not wait for the grandkids to get up and come down the stairs and, like, greet me. And so I am sitting there in the living room. The grandkids come down, and you know what they did not say when they came down the stairs and saw me? They did not say, oh, great communicator of God's principles, you know, worthy are you. They did not say that. You know what they said? Where's my breakfast? 
Where's my backpack? Where's my school clothes? When are you going to take it to school? Are we going to be late? All of that stuff. Where's my snack? I mean, it's demand, 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 demand after that. <laughs> we got them in the minivan. This is crazy. We got them in the minivan. I got them in the minivan. That's a success. And they all had shoes and clothes and backpack and lunch. And so I'm using Siri turn-by-turn direction headed for their school. And so, you know what? Siri told me to turn left, and I made a left turn. And then she said, like Siri does, please, you know, get in the middle lane. Well, I, didn't, I knew I didn't need to get in the middle lane because I'm going to take a right coming up, and I'm not getting in the middle lane. She doesn't know what she's talking about. The four-year-old in the back, pop, pop, get in the middle lane. You do not know what you're doing. I go, I don't need to get in the middle lane. Now i got three kids. You need to get in the middle lane. You're going to get us lost. In other words, you're not even intelligent enough to get us to school. <laughs> right? Family, ha- listen, family has a way. Family has a way of, of humbling you, right? We're glad you're home. Take out the trash. We're glad you're home. Mow the yard. And so that's, that's what God does with Moses, and he humbles him. Listen, let me tell you something. It was important for Moses to go back. Do, listen, do not let your insecurities in life speak louder than the voice of God. If you will, your insecurities in life will be a false prophet in your life. You cannot do that. God will not forgive you of that sin. God will not bless you. God will not take care of you. Do not let your insecurities be a false prophet in your life. It's so dangerous to do that. Third and the last thing is you have to accept God's approval. You have to accept God's approval. And the way you do that is understand forgiveness of sin and come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Moses learned that guess what? Covering up sin with sand does not work. Your sin will find you out. What is done in the darkness will be exposed in the light. Moses killed this Egyptian, but somehow Moses knew that he tried to cover that sin up with sin with sand. But your sin has a way of working its way through the sand that it's going to reappear one day at the worst time. And that's what can create insecurity in life when you have a secret sin, whether it's an addiction, whether it's another relationship, whether it's a habit, I'm telling you, your sin will work through sand. Your sin will reappear, and it can create insecurity in your life. I was reading this crazy story about this carpet guy. And so this carpet guy went to this house to lay carpet. And so he had finished one room, and he had laid the carpet. It was time for like a smoke break. And so he reached for his pocket as he's finishing up. He stretched the carpet, and so he reached for a pack of cigarettes. He can go outside and smoke. And so he reaches in his front pocket. There's not a pack of cigarettes there. And he looks down, and there's like a bulge in the carpet. I mean, he can see the little hump. And so he looked around to make sure the homeowner didn't notice, where she didn't notice. He grabs his hammer, and he sits there, and he smashes that down. And he gets it flat, and he works it out. He goes out to his truck for a smoke break, and then all of a sudden he noticed that on the dashboard of his truck is his pack of cigarettes. He's like, what in the world? He goes back in, and as he goes back in, the lady of the house is running through the house, and she is screaming, where is my canary? Where is my canary? Who has seen my canary? Right? Your sin, listen, your sin will find you out. Maybe the most important lesson that Moses learned, maybe the most important lesson that we can learn. God's grace is greater than your greatest sin. God's grace is greater than your insecurity. God's grace is greater than than your past. It's crazy when you look at this issue of murder. That's a pretty big deal, right? 
It's a tribute to God's grace and God's forgiveness. That two of the most prominent characters in the Old Testament and the New, Moses in the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, both had murder in their past. And God used them in dramatic ways. The grace of God forgave their sin. Though you and I cannot cover our sin up with sand, God offers something totally better to us. The blood of Jesus Christ doesn't just cover over our sin. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses our sin. Though our sins can be red like scarlet, he says he can make them as white as snow. And you may have made some drastic mistakes in your past. But God can cleanse you of that sin. Maybe the greatest lesson we can learn this morning. You cannot forgive you on your own. It is accepting the grace and the forgiveness of God. That Jesus Christ can cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And he can forgive you. You know what God told Moses over and over and over? Moses, I believe in you. Moses, I am with you. Moses, I forgive you. Just go. Don't let your insecurities in your life rule you. Just trust me. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes and...